I went out to a Bible college in Woodland Park, Colorado, and I, it was a three-year program. And in my first two years there, I got to get to know someone who was around my same age, but from a distance. And my third year there, I really got to know him personally. And uh, you guys know the, the saying, your reputation precedes itself. So it's almost like you've heard so much about someone and who they are and what they're about that you kind of know who they are before you even meet them face to face. Well, my introduction to this friend of mine was in first year. Um, we were in this beautiful sanctuary. That's where we had our classes. And half of the, well, half of the room, the, 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 the wall facing the outside of the building was just windows. And it opened up to pine trees and woods. And it opened up to seeing this beautiful view of Pikes Peak. It was honestly hard to pay attention sometimes because I was so distracted. Oh, my goodness, there was a mountain right there. But we would have different teachers that would come in and instructors and pastors. And there was a verse that was commonly used within these sermons. But whenever that verse was used, this friend of mine had to shout amen. He needed to respond. See, God did something in him, and he needed to let it out. He didn't want to be that clay jar that the Lord made and he put a stopper on it. He wanted to be poured out as an offering for God. And so at first it was offensive that he would interrupt my train of thought in the middle of class, right? I'm like, oh my goodness, this guy, there's over 100 people here, like kind of distracting the class. Um, but he kept doing it. It didn't stop him. He wasn't ashamed. But that offense turned into intrigue. And slowly that intrigue turned into inspiration as I found out more of his story. I want to start off this morning with that verse that my friend had an encounter with, a revelation of. It's found in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new has come. That, when, when I started understanding that verse for myself, see, I had a relationship with God too, but I wasn't shouting amen. What was it that he had that I didn't? And I think that it was a continued thankfulness, a continued gratefulness to the work that was done on the cross for us. See, this friend of mine, he was set free from meth addiction in his life. He was set free from a broken life. And he understood that when he received Jesus as his Lord and Savior, he, that no longer was something that identified him. He was a son of God. He understood that the old was past and behold, the new has come. And I just wanna pray that over us this morning as we enter into this good news, as we go into this message deeper that if you have a relationship with him, he has something more for you today. He wants you to walk out of here with a continued thankfulness, a continued gratefulness for the things that he has set you free from. And for those, again, that have not heard this good news, know that there is something here for you. One of my uh, instructors shared this with our class one time. His name was Mark Hankins. He said, um, you know, in receiving... Jesus into your, into your life as your Lord and Savior and being a new creation. He said, you are such a new creation in Christ that God will have to introduce you to your new self. You won't recognize yourself. 
You guys know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how the Lord was in them there in the furnace. And when they exited out, they didn't even smell like smoke. I, I love hearing testimonies of people where you're just starting to get to know them and they're sharing with you the things that they've been set free from. And you'd be like, what? You did that? That's a part of your past? That's a part of your story? But that's not who you are now? It blows my mind. It's a, those, those moments are things that I live for. I love those moments of hearing how the enemy has been just completely beaten into the ground and lost and hearing the good news of Christ and what they did in someone's life. And I know each of us have a testimony like that. The Lord doesn't want us to forget it. And if we have forgotten who we are in him, he wants to reintroduce you to your new self. And he does not want you to look at your past as who you are. That is a disservice to yourself. That is a disservice for the plans that God has for your life. If you look at your yesterday and think, that's who I am, no, the Lord has made you a new creation in him every day. In Colossians 2.14, it says that he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. So he canceled our past. Guys, when, when I'm, just, I'm just reading these things, I really feel like God just wanted to bring home, first and foremost, what he did for us. Because sometimes we can find ourselves in the, in the humdrum of life in our day-to-day, and we can be stressing over something that happened 10 years ago. We can be feeling shame for something like that. And God is like, whoa, you repented of that. You brought that to me, and I, I nailed that to the cross. That's, I'm not looking at that. You have no reason to be looking at that either. It can be what happened yesterday even. It can be what happened 10 minutes ago. But when we go to him, we are a new creation and he washes us clean. He cancels those record of wrongs. In Psalm 103, verse 12, it says that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I, I, I am not good with numbers, but that's really far. And I think that distance is outside the laws of gravity. So if you just imagine east and west just going into the nether sphere of existence, that's how far the Lord has removed your transgressions from you. Do you know that? Do you know that? He's canceled those sins against you. That's what he did for us on the cross. That's the good news. It's, it's too good to be true, but it's true. And it's impossible to find that life, to find this resurrection life anywhere else but Christ's finished work on the cross. We can't find it in ourselves, and there's surely nothing in all of creation that we can find our purpose and fulfillment in. In uh, Hebrews 10.22, it says, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts fully trusting him, For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Oh, that's so good. I don't know about you, but I've experienced what a guilty conscience feels like. And I hate it. But I'm so thankful that Jesus says, I don't need to stay there. He rose again so that I could live the life that he bought for me on the cross. He rose again so that I didn't have to live under guilt and shame. That's his promise to me. That's his promise to you. He's washed you clean. He's sprinkled your guilty conscience with his blood, which was the only payment that could suffice for our sin. 
See, the Lord's original design for us, when you look at Adam and Eve in the garden, something that I think is so beautiful, because that's what he's restored back to us through Christ, right? And in giving us the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. When we look at Adam and Eve, we see two people that walked with the Lord in the garden. He created them for fellowship. He created them to share life with them and give them purpose. He said to work the garden, right? To maintain it, to take care of the animals and these different things. He made us to do life with us. But what happened is that Adam and Eve fell into temptation by doing something that the Lord told them not to do. The enemy brought up the power of suggestion. You know, this thing that the Lord told you not to do, you, is that really what he said? And because of falling into that temptation, Adam and Eve welcomed sin into the world. They brought it into the world. And not only that, they brought it into themselves. And so now they were sinful beings. And they could only produce what they were. And that's why we have been born into sin. And we find ourselves in a place of needing a sacrifice. We need, we need restoration with Jesus. And thankfully, the Lord had a redemption plan in motion. His plan was to send his only son to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be restored back to right standing with him and fellowship with him so that we could walk with him and do what truly we were made to do, which is to do life with God. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For he made him who knew no sin. So this is God talking. Well, this is God in regards to Jesus. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Yeah. The, the one who didn't deserve the punishment of death the one who did not deserve to get beaten to the point of, of not being able to recognize who he is, who was whipped so that we could be healed, who had the crown of thorns on his head, who went to hell to war for us, all these different things. He did not deserve that, but he became sin for us who did deserve it so that we could be experiencing life with him and restoration in our union with God. Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his great love for us <sighs> by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Oh, man, I think it's important for us to know while we were still sinners, that means at our absolute worst. If you can, I don't want you to stay there, but just rem remember the time where you are at your most despicable, wretched moment full of just separation from God. There, that person is who the Lord sent his son for because he wanted to show us that his love was unconditional. It had nothing to do with the works that we could do to make ourselves in right standing with God. That wouldn't do it. It had to be his son on the cross, but that's why he sent him to be love and to give us that example of what love looks like. He died for us while we were yet sinners. You know, after... Uh, for sure, after graduating from high school, I was really feeling the Lord leading me into another level of faith. And he was like, Adrian, and, and honestly, it should have happened a long time before then, but this is when I was ready. I said, Adrian, are you ready to start praying for people? <laughs> right? 
are you start ready? Are you ready to start praying for people? And so I had to start exercising that muscle that I, I didn't have condition. And so I started stepping out when I felt the Holy Spirit leading me to pray for someone. You know, it was really important that I, I didn't want to miss those opportunities. And God is so merciful and, and full of grace that when we miss those, he gives us more. But I won't forget an opportunity I had when I got back from um, college for my first year. I came back home, and I was working at the restaurant that I'd been working out at each summer. And I was surprised to see a friend of mine from high school. I was like, what are you doing here? Like, this is crazy. I haven't seen you since high school. Like, I was a hit. That was a year ago. You know what I mean? But, but it was so cool to see her. We were good friends. And so to be able to reconnect and hear how she was doing and then work with her first summer was really neat. And at the end of that summer, I felt the Holy Spirit lead me to pray for her. And so I was like, okay, I don't know about doing that in here. There's a lot of people in a restaurant. You know, we're going to figure this out. Um, but I do need to pray for her. I know I need to do that. And so I, I, I spoke with her. I was like, hey, before you go today, I know this is your last shift. Can I just pray over you? You know, like just with the plans that God has for your life, where you're heading from here. And her face was kind of like, yeah, yes. You can, you can pray for me. And uh, I was like, okay. I was like, please, don't leave without me praying for you. Just don't sneak out. Like, I, we're going to make time for this. This is going to happen. And so um, we ended up going out the back of the restaurant, you know, out into where one of the main entrances was for the staff. And there was no one out there. And so it was really nice and inviting. And um, I was like, okay, I'm just going to pray for you if that's okay. And she's like, yeah. Um, and then she was like, but I, I can't look at you. And I was like, okay. And so she turned her back from me. And I asked her if I could place my hand on her shoulder and pray for her. And she was like, yeah, you can pray for me. And I'll never forget just this feeling inside me. Like, I could relate to that. I could relate to feeling so unlovable. Why, God, why would you love me? Why would you choose me? And that's what she was experiencing in that moment. And I was like, oh, man. You're about to get loved. Like, this is good. This is really good for you, man. And I'm glad I get to be a witness of it. But I started praying for her. And it's not about the tears, but you could just see her set free from herself. And she was just crying, right? She was, yeah, she was coming into an encounter with God of his love for us. Of what he did for us on the cross. She knew in that moment that the Lord loved her. In Hebrews 10, verses 10 through 14, it does a really good job of breaking down for us the gospel. In verse 10, I'll, I'll start. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest, who is Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering... He forever, guys, forever, that meant then in the past and in the present, forever made perfect those who are being made holy. That's us. He made us perfect while we are being made holy, right? That's incredible. 
That's incredible that that's the life we step into with him. Man, that is good news. I want you to know that when it says, for by that one offering, he's, he's wanting to draw for us there that he is enough. There's no other offering. There's nothing else you can do. Putting yourself in a spiritual timeout from coming into the presence of God is not what he's requiring of you. Jesus paid the price for us. So for us to think that there is any amount that we have yet to pay would to say that Jesus wasn't the perfect sacrifice, which we all know isn't true. And so our life should reflect that. It shouldn't be reflecting that I'm continually paying off this debt of my past and these different things. That's ridiculous. And that is not what Jesus says about us and the life that he bought for us on the cross. He said that by this one offering, he was enough. Here we go, guys. Yeah. It was on the third day that Jesus rose again, defeating Satan and getting the keys to death in the grave, empowering us with the authority over sin that had once had us as slaves. But now, through the resurrection of Christ's finished work on the cross, we became slaves to righteousness. That's the promise. We are no longer slaves to sin in him. In Romans 6, 4, it says, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Christ was giving us a picture of what he did for us in our place. For the sin that was meant for us, he paid for on the cross. He bought back our freedom. He brought back full relationship with God. And he empowers us to live in that resurrected life. He doesn't want us to live in anything less than that. In Colossians 2, verses 12 through 15, it says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all of your sins. He canceled, he canceled it. He wiped it clean. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. He nailed it right there. That's where it stays. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them. Oh, they deserved it. Oh. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. I heard recently that it's like a viper with its head cut off. When you cut off the head of a viper, I've never seen this. I'm taking this guy's word for it. But it will, it will wreathe, right? It's still like, it's still moving. It's in its death roll. And that's Satan. His head has been cut off. He can't bite you. He's, he's wreathing, right? Yeah. He's been disarmed. You see, when we, when we receive the gift that Jesus bought for us on the cross, we are now in him. He is in us. And so now we stand where he stands, which is in right standing with God. It has nothing to do with us, everything to do with him. But we can be assured and at peace to know we have him, we are in right standing with God. Right? And the authority has no, I mean, the, the enemy has no authority over us. 
He's a headless viper. And guys, it, 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 oh man, it is so important for us. This is just like, this is in, in my cells. Like I can't help but just like proclaim this. I know what it feels like to get beat up on by the devil. I remember out at school in Colorado, I was talking to one of my friends and I was having one of those seasons where I felt like a punching bag. I wasn't using my authority. I was allowing the enemy who is disarmed to lie to me and to beat me up. And I'll never forget, because it was almost like in passing, but it's how the Lord works, where my friend was like, you know, we were getting off the bus, dropped off at the parking lot where our cars are, and we're kind of like going our separate ways. And he's like, oh, yeah. He goes, you got to know that, that you're the glove. You're not the bag. And he just keeps walking. And I was like, I'm the glove. I'm not the bag. It was a revelation, and it was empowering to me. I got it, and the Lord wants us to get it this morning, to know that we aren't the bag. Jesus was the bag for us, which I say that so lightly because he's a perfect, he's our risen Savior, our Messiah, the Son of God. What he did was stand in our place as the bag, right? He, he was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He disarmed the enemy, and he gave us authority over that voice for us to know that we aren't the bag. We are the glove, and we have right standing with God and him. We all have a story, and we all have a reason to shout praises to God, to thank him for his mighty hand in our lives, saving us from our past, walking with us in our present, and prom promising us a future together. This morning, we're digging deeper with a fresh mind and a new perspective. I pray that would empower us to walk out of this room knowing something more than when we first walked in. So we, we covered, and there's again, there's so much more to it, but we covered a lot of what the gospel is, the good news. And so now we can start looking into what that life with Jesus looks like to step into that new life with him, to live into the resurrected life that he bought for us on the cross. And I'm just gonna be looking at a couple things today with you guys. The first is that our resurrected life is Christ-centered. There, there's truly no resurrected life without him, and so it must be on Christ and Christ alone that we build this foundation, right? In Matthew 7, 24, it says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Man, I wanna build my life on solid rock. I don't want to be self-centered. I don't want to be centered on someone else. I don't want to be centered in the, in the story, the, the system, the, the plans that the world has for my life. I don't want that. I died to that, and it died to me. We have no interest in it, guys. We are meant to live Christ-centered. That is where that resurrection life comes from, living, as, living in him as our foundation. In John 14, 6, it said, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except by me. 
There's no other way to the Father. He made that very clear. There's, there's no way around that, you know, in a world, in the, in the culture that we live in where there's so much diversity and so much, you know, wanting to be unique and, and your own individual, there's no option here. You can dye your hair another color. You can't choose another way to the Father apart from Jesus. A resurrected life in him is Christ-centered. And it, it certainly can't be self-centered. You know, we can't think that there's something we can do also in addition to what Christ did for us that is going to make us in right standing with him or make us more apt to live into the plans that God has for our life. That's a lie too. It's in him. We move and have our being. John 14, 6 really hits it home. It really hits the head on the nail. There is no way to the Father except by Jesus. And we need to be convinced of this for ourselves. We need to. We need to know that I have no hope apart from him. See, we can hear the good news. We can get really excited about it. It's kind of like the parable of the farmer and the seed, right? We hear of these different instances where these individuals are hearing the word of God and what they do with it. And some would hear it and lose it that fast. Some would hear it, get excited about it, but then the cares of the world would take it from them. And then some of them got it. Some of them had the fertile soil to understand it's only in him. This is where I'm building my house. This is the hill that I'm going to die on. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for that resurrection truth that we have in him to know that there is no other way. He makes it very simple for us. It's Christ and Christ alone. Um, when I was 17, I had a, a personal encounter with the Lord. And it's kind of cool. My, my brother-in-law right now, he, he's 17, and he's, he went to Florida just like I was 17 and went to Florida. So I pray that he would have an experience with God too. But it's crazy to think it was uh, three, five, eight years ago that I had this encounter. And uh, I grew up in the church. I grew up having a relationship with God. I, I loved the Lord. But there was a time, and I would say it was when I probably freshman, sophomore year, through my junior year, where I really started to not become Christ-centered. I became self-centered. I became, I, I started to wonder, you know, man, I, I really like it when people treat me this way, say these things about me. What else can I do to earn that kind of affirmation. And so I started building something that doesn't exist, a false reality, thinking that I could thrive in that setting, and I couldn't. There's no way that I could. Like, like you know, you know when, when you're living in sin, but you just don't know the way out? Like you just don't know what, what the next step is that you need to take? And so I found myself constantly in a place where I, I was at my lowest emotionally, well, spiritually. It's wild. You know, I, I pray to God, but I didn't feel close to him because I was still making decisions. I was finding myself saying things that I didn't think I would ever say. I found myself doing things I didn't think I would ever do, but it's because I wasn't living Christ-centered. I started building my house out onto some sand over here, and things started falling pretty quick. And so 
Um, in this season of my life, I, I had a good friend and a dog of mine. And um, that's how our family raises dogs. I know some of us have different relationships with pets. But my dog was a good friend of mine. I loved her. And we were out um, at a wedding in another state. And unfortunately, there's some things and busyness going around the house. And the door was cracked open. And she bolted. And she got hit by a car. And she died. And that was really hard for me. And when I got that news, you know, my, my family, I'm so thankful for my family. Um, I, we, we love each other so much. But all of a sudden, because I wasn't built up in my spirit, I, I, I wasn't really seeing that it was an accident that could have happened to anyone. But I started getting really upset. And uh, I was finding myself in a place that I never had before, and I thank God for it, but I, I, I was upset with some family members. And uh, a week later, I, 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 we came home from that trip. I had to spend a week at home, you know, you know, without my best friend, just that constant reminder, like, gosh, like, that could have been avoided and all these different things. And I got to go, I, I thank God for it, but on a vacation with my aunt and uncle and my cousin. And so we went to Florida. And uh, so I was at my lowest spiritually, my lowest emotionally going on this trip. And right when we landed in Florida, um, I smile, and you'll know why. We went to Chick-fil-A. And it was my first time going to Chick-fil-A. And man, there's a lot of hype around that place, and I wanted to know what it was all about. So I just ate my heart out. I loved it. It was so good. Well, fast forward three hours later, I'm laying on a beach with my cousin, and uh, we'd gotten to the place where we were staying, and I was like, I think I'm going to throw up. And he was like, what? And I was like, oh, and I, <laughs> I run to the ocean, and that just ensued like the next eight hours of my life. That kind of gives you a picture of what was going on with me. But I, I fell asleep on the bathroom floor just having nothing inside of me, you know. I, I was, I'd probably see through at that point. And I woke up the following morning at my lowest spiritually, at my lowest emotionally, at my lowest physically. And uh, I remember calling my sister, and I was like, hey, this is what's going on with me. I'm pretty upset about these different things, and I'm wanting to call these family members and just tell them, you know, that I'm, I'm frustrated. And she was like, have you prayed about this? And I, I was not working that muscle in my life at this time. And I was like, nope, I have not been praying about this. And she goes, well, why don't we do this? Why don't I pray over you? And I just want to encourage you that when we get off the phone, I just when you do think about that, all these things that are going on right now, because honestly, my dog dying was just the tip of the iceberg. I was already at my lowest emotionally. I, I didn't have any guards up, and that just cut me at my knees. Like, I was already there. And she said, let me just pray for you. And she prayed over me. She prayed over my heart. She prayed over the situation. And I experienced perfect peace. Perfect peace. I mean, all I wanted was fruit for the rest of the week. <laughs> I didn't want anything else. But I had perfect peace in my body. And I don't know if it was that night or a night later in the week, but I was out walking on the shores of where we were staying. And um, I, I remember hearing the loudest whisper of my life. And God said, Adrian, why are you running away from me? He said, you know, I've called you into ministry. And I was like, whoa. I wasn't asking for that. But he just completely changed my life in that moment. And it's been changed ever since. And yeah, amen. Thank you, Lord. 
he is so intimate. He is so, he is so personal that he will come to us and he will speak to us the way that he knows we will experience breakthrough. And that was the right time for me. And I received that word. And from that point, I started to live more Christ-centered. The Lord was showing me, hey, these things that you've been putting your weight on, these things that you've been putting, you know, building a foundation on, they can't hold you. So you're gonna need to prune these things out of your life. They're not gonna last. And I'm like, Lord, I believe you. These things aren't gonna last. Just show me how to do it. I was addicted to social media, so I deleted all my social media. I was addicted to my phone, and so I, I traded in a smartphone for a flip phone. Like, there were things that I needed to do. See, something happened in the supernatural, and I needed to do something in the natural to agree with that. Jesus did, us, did, did for us something in the supernatural. That was a picture, a physical picture of what he was doing for us spiritually. But it does take a partnership on our end to receive that perfect gift. What is he asking you today to prune? What is he exposing to you that, you know what, Adrian, I, I'm actually seeing that I'm not fully Christ-centered. I'm not living in the fullness of everything that God has for me. What is that? I, I don't know. But he does. And he loves you so much that he, want, he wants to walk you through that. He wants to show you that there's so much more. If you've hit a wall in your, in your intimacy and in your relationship with him, man, there is so much more. His love is unconditional. That's like that picture of east and west. There's just no limit to it, right? So a resurrected, a resurrected life is Christ-centered. A resurrected life is also free. It's freedom. In John 8, 36, it says, so if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Wow. Again, there's nothing else. It's that simple. I love it. Galatians 5, 1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Whew. Right? Adrian, you learned a lesson there. You saw that these things, the way that you were doing them was not sustainable in your life, so don't go back to it. The word talks about how returning to sin is like a dog, how it returns to its vomit. We're not meant to do that. Why would we wanna go back to slavery when we've been set free? And it's only building on, on the foundation of Jesus. It's only receiving what he did for us on the cross. Yeah, I, I love what it says. If you could bring up Galatians 5.1 again. It shows the partnership again. It shows our responsibility in the equation. You see, Christ did that finished work for us, but we need to receive it. That's our position. That's what we need to do. It says, it is for freedom that Christ says, set us free. Stand firm, that's your choice. You get to do that if you want to or not. That's up to you. But he's saying, this is what would be best for you is if you stood firm. And do not let, let shows, I love it. The Lord showed me one time that word let, it is everywhere in scripture. I just pray your eyes would be open to it too because it is crazy. There's so much of the word of God where it, we are in the equation and we have a decision we need to make. And he's saying right here, he's, he's helping us make that decision to say, do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. 
it's those steps that we can take, right? It's like me deleting all social media and changing my phone and things like that. There are things in our life that we can do so that we won't let ourselves be caught back again into a yoke of slavery around a viper without a head. There's no reason for that. Uh, One of my teachers out at school said something that really changed my life as well. And this was a personal opinion of his, but he said, I I believe that the most important revelation that we can have as Christians is to understand our freedom in Christ. You see, we, we live our life based upon the freedom that we understand from the cross, We've been talking about how our, our sins are canceled, right? Our past is, is no longer there. We were made new, a new creation in him. If we don't believe that, then we're gonna be living our lives, again, at a deficit of something less than what Christ intends for us to live into. So I started digging into that. I was like, wow, well, I wanna know my freedom in God. I don't wanna be limited for no reason. These false limitations that the enemy is trying to speak to me, I don't wanna live in that. Lord, you are the one that I made the the Lord and Savior of my life. Therefore, no other voice has the authority to tell me who I am but you. You know, the enemy will come and try to disqualify you from your call. That is a trespassing action. He's trespassing into territory that does not belong to him, and you need to throw him out because you can. He's disarmed the powers of the enemy, so you can throw him out of your life because he's just trespassing. And so, yeah, I want to just um, share this illustration with you as well. But I'm, I was digging into this, and I was um, looking at animals that were in captivity compared to animals that were in the wild. And I was seeing that their lifespans were significantly different. Animals that were in captivity were living fractions of their life, opposed to animals that were living out in the wild. Because that's not where they were meant to live. That's not where they were meant to have their being. To live free is what God intends for us to live into. Man, that encouraged me so much. It also broke my heart because I was thinking of the body, but also those that don't know Jesus yet that are living as slaves. They're living in captivity in a fraction, in barely anything than the fullness of what God has for their life. And I came across this article that was talking about, um, this happened in 2017 in Minnesota, but these animal activists were going cross country and they were setting minks free. Now, minks is what they make pretty coats in and things like that. So what they did was they, they went to this farm in the night, they cut the wires, they were setting all these free, they actually boxed some up, drove a mile down the road, set them free there, right? And what ended up happening, so this was between 35 and 40,000 people, so uh, minks, sorry, not people, 35 and 40,000 minks were set free. That's a, that's a, I can't even imagine the amount of minks that is. I looked up what a mink looks like. It's like an otter ferret, so just imagine a bunch of those running around. It's crazy. What was in good intention with the animal activists, I mean, however that happened, they ended up, all these minks, more than half of them died. See, they were set free into the heat, which is something that they weren't used to living in. They didn't know how to live 
in the heat. They didn't know how to live under the sun. They were used to living in their own quarters, right? Probably air conditioned. Uh, they were fed their food. They didn't have to go out and look for it. So everything was pretty much made for them. And then all of a sudden, they did have freedom. They were set free. The, the, the chains that were around them, were, they were broken from, but they didn't know how to live in that freedom. So most of them died. In the, in the word, I believe it's in Hosea, it says that my people die for lack of knowledge. We need to know we're set free. We need to know that we have a resurrected life because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, and that is what we're called into. And so what does that look like? It means doing life with him. It means being Christ-centered because, you know, if you're that mink in the field that's just been set free and you're like, see ya, and then you're feeling the sun, you're feeling the pressures of the world, you're feeling those temptations, those things, those doubts that come at us from every direction, do you know how to withstand that in yourself? You can't. But again, it's like what, what God had created meant for us in the garden. That's how he wants to do life with us. He's saying you can't on your own. That's why I made you to do life with you, to walk with you in the cool of the day, all throughout the day, for the rest of your life. I want to do life with you. I want to teach you and show you what freedom looks like and how to live into that freedom that I have bought for you on the cross. In conclusion today, I want you guys to just be thinking throughout the day, throughout the week, Whatever he highlighted to you, I know that in listening to a message or listening to someone speak, usually it's something that we walk away with, right? It's one thing, or it could be a couple, but whatever that is for you, I just want to ask that you respond. Don't treat this like another Sunday. Jesus paid too high a price for us to just treat this like another day. We can respond. We can live Christ-centered, we can build our life on him, and we can live brand new. Now, maybe that's hard to believe. I understand that, that our past has been paid for, wiped clean, we've been washed from it, we are now a new creation. That's hard to believe. Well, you're just that mink in the, in the, in the field that's been set free. You're learning how to live in freedom. Go to your maker. Go to your good, good father. Run into the arms of Jesus. Call upon the Holy Spirit. Man, he is there. He is ready, and he just wants to speak with you. He just wants to do life with you, and if you don't know how to live in freedom, he wants to walk with you through that. So what does it look like to live born again? Because if we've received him into our heart as our Lord and Savior of our life, and we've been born again, and we can live into these truths, we can live as more than conquerors over the enemy, knowing that he's been disarmed and trusting in the foundation of Christ to be our grounding throughout life. In him, we have all that we need to accomplish everything he has for us. And I want you to walk away knowing that too. It's not Jesus and something else. He is the fullness of God. He gave us his Holy Spirit. We don't need to lean into anything else. We need Christ. We needed his finished work, which he knew for us and he bought for us on the cross, and that's what he wants us to walk into. So I'm going to end the same way we began, but with the verse in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Behold, Jesus has risen. Behold, he's the same then as he is today, and he'll be the same tomorrow. Behold, you were made new. Let him show you that truth. If we would just bow our heads in prayer. Um, I just want to ask any of, any of you online, anyone in this room that has not received Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, that you've not joined hands with your creator who is life itself and you want to experience true life for the first time. If you've not made that decision yet and you want to do that today, I just want to ask that you would just raise your hand. All right. All right. Thank you. I see you. I see you. Church family, we have someone in this room that wants to receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their life today. After I get done with this prayer, I just want us to erupt in praise and hallelujah over this individual. And if you're online and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior of your life, follow us in this prayer. But if we would all just join as one voice and just put our hand over our heart and just pray together, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my sin. I just ask for your forgiveness. And I believe, Lord, that, that through your work on the cross, I am set free from my past, that I am now a new creation in you, that the old has passed away, and that the new has come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.